This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. Profiteers, welcome back for episode number 112 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. As always, I am your host, Eric Rosenberg, and I am so excited for today, our fourth episode, our final episode in the first month-long guest style that we're trying on this show. So Whitney is back for her fourth show. This is her last show of four. We just had such a great chat about all sorts of accounting things that you need to know just as a regular person, even if you don't run a business for your everyday life, for investing and for just thinking about your money and thinking of yourself as a business. And as a bonus, if you're an entrepreneur, side hustler, or future business founder, uh, there's so much information packed into this one that you'll want to know. So whether you are working on your personal finances or your business finances, we have plenty for you in this fun episode that is a surprisingly fun talk about accounting, a, a topic that's often kind of boring, but we have a blast with it today here on the Personal Profitability Podcast. Let's dive in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the woman of the I don't know, third of an hour. <laughs> Whitney well Hansen. Are you ready to get profitable? I am so ready to get profitable. Let's do this. I love it. Welcome back. So this is episode number four, your last episode here for our first month-long guest. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us so far this month. It's been awesome. I- Love it. I mean, getting profitable is what I'm all about. So I think this is great. Thank you so much for having me and letting me hang out on your show for four episodes. I feel honored. Totally. It's it's awesome. And I have a secret. I can tell you. I can tell everyone else, too. Are you ready to find out who our next month-long guest is going to be? Oh, yes. Sandy Smith from Yes, I Am Cheap. Oh, that is going to be epic. She's amazing. She's been on the show once before, I think, in the last year. So listeners, you can go back, check that one out. And uh, Sandy will be coming in two weeks. We have a regular guest interview next week. But right now, Whitney and I are going to talk about something that I know I'd say pretty darn well. But Whitney might be one of the few personal finance bloggers that knows more than me about this one. (laughs) And that is accounting because she has an accounting degree. I just have a finance (laughs) degree with some accounting classes. And I was an accountant. But you have the degree, so you you want me on the credential. (laughs) Yeah, I worked in public accounting for a little while, so I feel like I I do know a fair amount about this. I'm certainly no CPA, but I've (laughs) I've got a a few things in line with this. Yeah, so today's topic, what regular people need to know about accounting. So, you know, I'm a big fan of thinking of yourself like a business, so I often use business terms on the blog and the podcast and, and my YouTube videos, so I thought it would be really fun today to decode some accounting stuff for normal people using English. We don't have to speak accountant ease. And, um, and we can dive in and learn some cool accounting facts. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So first topic, drum roll, please. <laughs> Three main financial statements. That was way not as exciting saying it as I thought it would <laughs> I know, be when like, I drum rolled. Oh, dang it. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> but these are so important. And if you own stocks, if you're an investor, uh, or if you want to just treat yourself like a business, I'm a huge fan of personal financial statements. I actually have an 
epic post on personal financial statements where we take the three main business financial statements and learn how to build personal versions. So check a link for that in the show notes. But right now oh, we're going to so talk. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to think about yourself like a business because you know we're all we're all in it to make money, just like a business, right? So first main accounting financial statement I want to talk about is the income statement. Whitney, how would you describe the income statement? Well, I think the income statement is the overall, if you're trying to figure out, are you actually profitable? That's the statement you'd want to go to because that's where you find your net income. You find all of your, well, another word for income statement is the P&L, profit and loss statement. So a lot of people hear that and they're like, what does that one mean? But it's the same exact statement that they're, we're talking about the same thing. But I think it's important. So you see all of your revenue numbers, all of your expenses, and then overall that net income. So were you profitable as a business as a whole? And I think that's a really important thing to know. And like you said, for personal stuff too, also very important, what's your net worth? Uh, I presume that's the the statement that you talk about for personal when comparing income yes, statement. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super, super, super important though. Yeah. So, well, actually, yes, net income would be an income statement. Net worth is another statement. But before we jump into net worth, uh, one thing that's important to know when you're reading an income statement, which you can find them for any public company on the internet, um, you just Google it. And actually, I think you could even go to Google Finance and find their uh, income statements and stuff or Yahoo Finance, whatever you want to use. There's a database called, I think it's Hoover that yeah. um, has all that information too. I remember it like a Hoover vacuum. It like sucks up all the business data. I don't know if that's why <laughs> it's called that. But when you look, you'll notice at the top is the revenue. And then the next section are, you'll see something maybe called gross income. So that's all the income after costs of goods sold. It's like for a product company, you have to take out the cost of you know product of the physical product or the cost to deliver the service first. Then you have the gross income, and then below that you have the business's main core expenses. So that's things like salaries and staff, uh, insurance, rent, uh, pretty much anything that it takes to run a business: phone lines, telecom, um, equipment, any expense. Um, we'll go down there. And then, then you get your net income. So that's like the profit number that you see uh, if you're watching CNBC or, or read the paper. They talk about profits. That's the profit number. I mean, and below that, there's even more stuff for taxes and interest. Those are always broken out because you know we, we like to keep it complicated for non-finance people. So they have to pay us more to do their stuff for them. So we just added complication in there. It might seem that way, huh? <laughs> when I say we, I mean people who made accounting rules like 200 years ago. Gap. <laughs> yeah, exactly the case. Actually, yeah. gap is an important uh, phrase we could define. So gap is generally accepted accounting principles, G-A-A-P. And those are the rules that dictate all this accounting stuff we're talking about and, and everything for all the public companies for their reporting. Yeah. And if you want to get real nerdy, a lot of the, this is so bad, the the arguments between accountants is sometimes between GAAP versus international law. So a lot of times there's a big argument because the U.S. is one of the only countries, go figure, that uses GAAP primarily. And so it can get a little bit complicated because it's very complex. But yeah, that's one of the, the accounting nerd disagreements. And if you want to throw another uh, accounting <laughs> acronym in there, the yeah. FASB, F-A-S-B, or Financial Accounting Standards Board, is the group that yeah. makes GAAP. 
You are literally burning back so many nightmares for me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's jump forward. So net worth, that's something we talk about a lot in personal finance. And in business, the net worth is shown by the balance sheet. Um, The balance sheet and the income statement, I think, are... I think they're more important than the third statement. Uh, they're the ones Ooh, that get talked you? about the most. The third yeah. statement is very important in some situations. But in all cases, if you're running a business for yourself, um, you should know at any given time roughly where your balance is. And we'll explain what that means in a minute. And yep. uh, what we just talked about, your income, you know, your income and your expenses and the net of that. Which even if you don't have a business, even if you just have a regular job, think of that paycheck you get from going to work as your business income. Essentially, your business is giving a service to your employer. So remember that. You're, uh, you're in business even if you are a W-2 employee. You're, you're in business for yourself. You, gotta you definitely that. are. So the balance sheet um, tells you essentially all the assets a company has, usually broken out in short-term and long-term, short-term being um, something that's like liquid, immediately accessible, or you could yep. quickly turn it into cash. Long term being things like properties or vehicles or computers, you know, bigger assets. Um, on the bottom of that, or the right side, depending on how you lay it out, um, is the <laughs> uh, liabilities. So that's also broken out short term, long term. Short term is um, like credit cards, any kind of um, costs or loan payments due within a year. Mm Long-term would be more than a year. And the reason it's important to break out short-term versus long-term is if you compare short-term assets to short-term liabilities and liabilities is higher, you have a problem. (laughs) Yeah, you have a big problem. (laughs) It means that you owe way more money, or it doesn't have to be way more. It means you owe more in the short-term than you have or have coming in. So that's a big problem. Exactly the case. Then yep, if so you, that, that is a big issue. Yeah. So then if you add them both together and have your total assets versus liabilities, the difference of that equals the third part of the uh, statement, which is equity, shareholders' equity in a public company or owner's equity in a private company or your own personal net worth in a personal balance sheet. I like it. And terminology-wise, guys, if you're looking at a company's uh, overall balance sheet and you're like, what What does all this mean? The short-term assets are also called current assets. So sometimes it's used interchangeably. So don't get confused on some of that stuff. That's basically exactly what Eric was talking about. It's really easy to get confused with all this stuff, but God, um, yeah. we're trying to keep it simple. It, it's actually not that complex to wrap your mind around this part of accounting. So I think no, reading have, this statement's easy. You know, this is stuff anybody should be able to do. So that's why we're doing this today. Um, so the third statement, we'll spend a little less time on it, is the statement of cash flows. That tells you how much cash is coming into a business and how much cash is going out. Um, if a company or a person has a lot of savings, uh, you know, a lot of assets, uh, a lot of liquidity, that's less important. But when cash is tight, that gets more important. That's why I said I think it's less important than the other two. So the other two are always important. Yeah, those are the two that if you only understand how to read a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet, you'll be just fine when it comes to business. You don't, you may, I mean, there's a lot of details and there's a lot of ways to kind of finagle the numbers, which is where the IRS gets involved. But for the most part, those are the two primaries. However, cash flow. I wouldn't disregard that because that's the overall picture of is the business going to survive longer term is based off of their cash flow. So if you see constant cash flow issues in a company, 
it could mean a couple different things, but it might be a big red flag that they could be in trouble. So be able to understand it. It's an important statement, but it's not quite as common as the balance sheet and income statement. Yeah, well said. So speaking of all of those financial statements, let's let's back up to the balance sheet for a minute. With yeah. that knowledge in the back left corner of your brain and in the front <laughs> of your brain, we're going to talk about the fi- accounting equation. So the accounting equation sounds really complex, but it's actually essentially what we just talked about with the balance sheet. It's assets plus liabilities equals equity. So um, assets, a positive number, liabilities, a negative number. Um, If you remember back to fourth grade math, when you add a negative number, that's like subtracting. So (laughs) you subtract (laughs) your liabilities from your assets, and that's your, your shareholder's equity. And for... As a general rule, higher equity is a good thing. But there are companies out there with negative equity. Um, that's I, I haven't looked at Tesla's balance sheet in a while, but I'm just going to go off uh, on a whim that they have more debt than they have assets right now. <laughs> I think they have almost always been that way too, yeah. right? Yeah, because I mean, Elon Musk is pretty much funding it himself. So when it gets too bad, he just throws a throws a hundred million him. in the bank. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's amazing. Like, ah, oh, just going to throw another couple mil here. I think it's amazing. But yeah, if you pull up, I mean, you can look at stock filters and things like that online. It's easy to find companies that have a negative balance sheet. Uh, as a general rule, I would probably not want to invest in one. <laughs> but, you know, it could no. be, there could be a lot of reasons. You know, it could be like, you know, with Tesla, it's investing for future growth. So while they have bigger debt today, they Put, they got that debt building big battery factories and car factories and things. So hopefully those assets will turn into a profit in the future, um, and then they can flip and have a positive uh, a balance sheet. But that's just something important to keep in mind and also super important when we're looking at our own finances because you don't want to be upside down on your own, uh, on your own, on your own money. You don't want to owe more than you have. That would be yep. sad. So try exactly. not to do that. <laughs> I like that. So assets equals liabilities plus owner's equity. So if anybody that's gone through a basic accounting class knows how hellish this can be because you've got to make it balance. It, it truly has to balance. And if you're off even $20, $30 in accounting classes, it's an issue. You've got to figure out where were you off and you have to really dig in. So that statement alone has caused so much issues for accounting <laughs> students. It was uh, a lot of work to figure out where you're off. And touching on the point too that you mentioned, Eric, about how sometimes they might be less profitable. It could be because if they have got a history of being very, very profitable and then a couple years it seems super down, it could be that R&D, like you mentioned, where they're putting their money into more uh, projects so that they can get future growth. So it's not always a bad thing, but you have to look at the company as a whole over their lifetime, not just one specific year when it comes to financial statements. Yeah, you have to look at the why. There's often more of a story than – it's a story. It's not just a number. What's the statement that they, the report they issue? I'm having a brain dead moment. Where they always issue, is it a K9? No. Oh, yeah. um, maybe it is. is it the K9? Yeah. So they issue an entire, sometimes 20 page verbiage of what they're doing with the company. That is super important to at least skim through and understand the basis because that will almost always be attached to yearly reports. So then you can see what's actually happening behind the numbers, the story behind that, not just the numbers themselves. I love that when you uh, also if you get a company's uh, official annual report, which you can get them for free, just e- write 
um, online. There's a form you can fill out for most public companies. Uh, I get them every year for Berkshire Hathaway and save them. They're they're one of my treasures. Do you? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, but um, if you look at those, you'll see the financial statements, and then there will be notes to financial statements, and those are like 80 pages <laughs> to a one-page yeah. document. Those are fun. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we'll keep on moving. So next thing to understand is write-offs and deductions. Um, mm-hmm. So the basic idea here, if you have a business, a business can take expenses to lower their net income. We already talked about that. Um, but that lower net income means lower taxes. So essentially with businesses, if you can take things that are expenses and bring them into the business, it lowers your taxes. Did That's I spot on. There? <laughs> no, I'm like bingo. The other important piece too is if you are self-employed or if you are trying to start your own business so that you can save money on taxes. Um, there's a lot. Well, I mean, we always hear those stories of people that took all of their business friends on a safari trip for three weeks and spent fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. This actually happened for a client we worked with, and ultimately. The IRS can come back and say, no, that's not truly a business expense. So there there are some limitations as well as eating out. We always think that you can write off the total amount of eating out, and that's usually not the case. It's usually a percentage, and that does change periodically. So you have to look into the IRS rules to see how much you can truly deduct, but it, it's out there, and it's super important to take advantage of those. Yeah, good. Well said again. You're having a great day. We're both Thanks. having a great day. I'm like, <laughs> we are having a great day. We're live. We're here. Yeah. We're chatting. <laughs> I went to yoga this morning for the fourth time ever. So I'm just in a great mood. I'm feeling very Did zen. you really? Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm still wearing my Dang. yoga pants. Yeah. What? Do you have yoga pants? They were a gift before I ever tried yoga. Oh. They're like, they're like Lululemon workout pants for men. Are and they they're high so waisted? comfortable. They are regular waisted. <laughs> That's they're, awesome. They're super comfy. I would never have bought pants this expensive myself. They were a gift. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> so next topic, accrual versus cash basis. Essentially, in a nutshell, what this means is, so when a company, these are two different accounting methods companies can choose for how they want to keep their books. So cash basis would be, let's say you are a, um, let's say you cut hair for a living. Let's say you're a barber. I'm looking at something I got at the barber shop, so that's why I thought of that one. Nice, I like it. <laughs> so the uh, so if you're a barber, when you cut someone's hair, if at the let's say it's a twenty dollar haircut, it's men's haircut. Uh, women, I know it's like hundred and fifty dollar haircuts. So let's say men's haircut twenty five dollars. <laughs> you uh, you cut the hair. The minute that haircut is done, if you're an accrual accounting, you would recognize that twenty five dollars as earned, even though you haven't been paid yet. So according to accrual, at that point, you have $25 that goes on your balance sheet or, and on your income statement. In cash basis, you don't count it until your customer turns around in the chair and hands you the $25. That's, but if you, you can apply that to any business. So you're like, I'm a freelance writer. I uh, keep track of my earnings on an accrual basis throughout the month. Even though I'm not getting paid until the next month, I count those as earnings for my financial statements and my reporting uh, because I know I'm going to get paid by my clients. Actually, I'm lucky I've never gotten stiffed. I know, I know a lot of people who Thank have, goodness. Because on a cruel basis, I count everything as I earn it rather than when I get paid. If I were cash basis, I'd count it next month when I get paid for it. Yep, exactly. So 
why that's important, guys, is Eric and I were chatting before officially recording. This matters a lot because we see a lot of these numbers thrown around in the online world, especially of I made $50,000 in one month and you can do it too. I'll show you how. So sometimes just because they've earned that money doesn't mean they've actually collected that money or received it yet. So you've got to be aware of that too, because it could be that maybe they made their entire income for the entire year over three, four months. And then the rest of the months they have $0 in revenue. So it just depends, but be aware that that is a way that people can manipulate and use that to market themselves in a higher way. Yep. That's a totally true thing to look out for. And that's like when you hear about accounting scandals and things like that, uh, it's often people trying to play with these um, numbers in ways that break the rules. So so we have rules for a reason. So we can can truthfully assess a company. Um, but when you're, I don't know, Enron or WorldCom or whatever company, uh, those are old ones. Young people today probably don't even know what Enron is. Yeah, they're like, uh, what's an Enron? <laughs> <laughs> those, those were fa- or Tyco. These were famous accounting scandals. Oh, yeah. Quest, right before I started working there. So I got oh, to gosh. see um, the cleanup. It was, it was an interesting time to be at a uh, big telecom company. That would be a scary time. Yeah, but last thing we want to talk about today, this isn't really super important to know about accounting. I just like the terms LIFO and FIFO. <laughs> it sounds like dogs or credit scores or something. What's your yeah, FIFO? It does, doesn't it? What's your FIFO? <laughs> you can, what's your LIFO these days, man? <laughs> yeah, so LIFO, so these are how you account for inventory. That's what these terms mean. So LIFO means last in, first out, and FIFO means first in, first out. And why this is important is, uh, you know, for let's say you're a uh, well, so well, first let's explain what it means in practice. So, um, easiest way to think about it is a grocery store because a grocery store always needs to sell the oldest things first. Um, so that means last, the first one in is the first one out. So, like, yep. when you picture the uh, the cooler where they put the milk and the eggs in the back and then they roll forward, that is a phys- a visual example of FIFO. Uh, it means every item in is, is every item out. But let's say you go to um, the, the aisle that has all the office supplies where they have like pens. Pens, they might have the same pack of pens on the back of the shelf for like 20 years as they keep adding new pens in front. Yeah. And people pull them <laughs> off the front. So that would be LIFO, last one in, first one out. And where this really matters, uh, it, it's industry specific. Like car dealerships are a good example because a car is worth like, you know, twenty to eighty thousand dollars, let's say on average. If a company has all these cars on their balance sheet, and then um, they sell cars and don't get cars in fast enough, it can change what their books say on their assets in a way that they have to pay taxes um, if they're on an accrual basis. So um, I've heard of car dealerships calling up another car dealership trying to like get a car in before a sale. Because of LIFO accounting rules, they don't want to, um, or, th- or they don't want to mess up their assets because there's one that for so one funny. trading. Like you can say a twenty thousand dollar car is worth eighty thousand, or an eighty thousand is worth twenty, as long as a car is a car, kind of. Yep. On their books. <laughs> yeah. Exactly so, the case. So this kind of rabbit hole is like why accounting is mind-numbingly boring to some people and super exciting to others. Like, I find this really interesting. Like, it is about, interesting. Like, the math behind uh, how businesses run their... It's how they run their business. It's how they put everything together. And ultimately, mm-hmm. 
Um, whether we like it or not, money is one of those things that makes the world go around. So it's important to understand how it works and how businesses look at that. And that can also yeah. give you advantages as a consumer, um, just knowing the incentives and the goals that the companies you buy from, what their goals are. So, you, I mean, obviously they're trying to make money in as much as possible, but um, you're just understanding how they, they do things uh, can help you maybe get a better deal or negotiate or just make better decisions. Yep. Oh, I love it. This was fun, Eric. And I think the the LIFO and FIPO thing, next time you go to the grocery store, just pay attention to that. Usually you see things organized by expiration date. So the things that expire sooner are in the front. And now you know why. Now you've got a better idea of what's really going on too. And next time you're car shopping, uh, you could be like, hey, can I <laughs> chat with the company controller for a few minutes? Who I'm sure would love, to, would love nothing more than to come down and talk to you about how they run the books at the car dealership. <laughs> I bet they would love that. <laughs> I bet they would be totally shocked and surprised that anyone would care what they do. <laughs> I'm sure they're like, really? Somebody wants to talk to me? Like, I'm just the guy who, like, pushes the paper behind the loans. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they'd be honored. I mean, yeah. I would be. No, controllers do more than push paper. They're, they're an important position. Yeah. So they, anyway. They yeah. So thank you so much, Whitney. This has been a blast. Thanks for spending four weeks with us here on the Personal Profitability Podcast. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it, my friend. So for one last time, for people who have gotten to know you over this last month, if they want to keep connected with you, if they want to keep following you on your journeys, maybe even work with you, where should they go on the the great interwebs of ours to find the Whitney Hansen? <laughs> well, there's two places. The first one is WhitneyHansen.com. That's where if you would like to work with me or just go through some of my free courses, that's the area you would go to. If you want to listen to my podcast, it's called The Money Nerds, and it can be found on any of the podcast players if you just search The Money Nerds. That is so awesome. It's a great show. I was on there once upon a time. Make sure to check that you were. one out. It was a good we one. We talked about side hustles. I love side hustles. Every day I'm hustling. Just like me and Rick <laughs> Ross, the two of us, every day. <laughs> well, thank you yep. so much. This has been just a, a great pleasure. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as much as me. And we will definitely be in touch in the future, Whitney. So listeners, um, you know, stick around. You never know who's coming around the corner. And up very soon will be our good friend, Sandy Smith. All right, Whitney. So when we had our own show together, we had a a uh, call back, a call off, sign off, let's say, that we did every week. Would you do that one for the audience here, <laughs> even though they won't get the inside joke? Thanks, everyone, for staying around till the end. We'll talk to you next time. Mumbai. That one was so much fun, ladies and gentlemen. As you could tell, Whitney and I are awesome friends. We just, we just have a blast chatting together. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out all of Whitney's links she mentioned. They will be in the show notes as always. You can find those at personalprofitability.com slash blog. You can find a listing of all the most recent podcast episodes and blog posts there, including this one where we have the show notes. If you have not checked it out yet, also be sure to check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Eric Rosenberg. Head there and you can make sure to hit subscribe. Click the little alarm bell 
well. And you can check out the contest I'm running right now. I'm giving away a $50 Amazon gift card, a Kindle Fire, and more. You can check out the video. It's the one of me in the banana suit. I think that's the second newest video if you're listening while this is going live. Or um, you could head to personalprofitability.com and find more about it there as well. It was to celebrate my hitting 10 thousand followers on twitter super exciting for me so again make sure to check out that video youtube.com slash eric rosenberg find the video of me in the banana costume you'll really want to watch that one it's super funny and uh, you can get all the details on the contest there so thanks again everyone for listening till the end and until next time stay profitable stay profitable